This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. HP Enterprise and SGI make it official. And startup GraphCore takes aim at NVIDIA. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening into another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research. Distributed in partnership with our friends at Top500.org, I'm Addison Snell, and that's Michael Feldman. Michael, this week in HPC, the big news is something we already knew was coming with the acquisition of SGI by HPE, but but that's become official. It's done now. They're one company with a final price that was originally reported to be $275 million by the time it all Washed out, the total was 283 so there's an extra $8 million wound up in there somewhere, but the deal is now done. The deal is done, and yeah, when we visit uh, HPE and SGI at uh, SC16 upcoming, it'll be one company. I don't know if I'll have two, uh, two separate booths, but they'll be under one management, and going forward, that's, uh, that's it. No more SGI. I think there will be two separate presences at supercomputing, but the important thing is that when you get into some of the future-looking meetings or the you know behind-the-scenes, uh, you know backroom meetings that go on at supercomputing, those those I think will be happening at, to a great extent in tandem. That they're already going to be working on how to present themselves as a single company, one strategy going forward. Right, and I think the last time we talked about this, before they had closed, uh, when they had just announced the deal, we talked about how the the different portfolios might fold into each other over a period of time. Now, that's not going to happen anytime in the next few weeks, but we do expect some uh, product shifting to go on, some maybe to disappear and maybe others to uh, appear in different forms over the next uh, year or several years. But uh, today, it's just uh, we're looking at it more from the standpoint of you know, how these two companies are going to fit together, what what HPE has now become. I mean, one of the yeah, things when I, I mean, wrote about... You, you made this point, Michael, in the in the end of your article, that, that HPE has said that it's going to be largely earnings neutral in the first year. Right. And that's kind of what we're expecting is some of these big dividends as they reshuffle product lines can happen in the out years. But you were about to talk about, you know, what's going on with the structure today. And I think that's interesting as well. Right. I mean, HPE has sort of been on this uh, sort of a, a pretty uh, narrow strategy of how it wants to uh, position itself, I think, in the long term. And Meg Whitman has been working on this, you know, before they started the SGI business. Um, and some of it we saw, some of the news we saw this year, it spun out its enterprise services group unit into uh Computer Sciences Corporation earlier this year, and we even talked about spinning out the software, some of the software unit, into another company called uh, MicroFocus. So it looks like it's shedding what would have been sort of the services and software part of that business that was HPE and originally just HP uh, into, into other companies. And now it's it's basically left with servers, storage, and networking, basically the core systems group and that sort of infrastructure. I think that's what Meg, Meg Whitman wants to do, and that's the kind of company that it wants to be. But it's going to be a very different company than HP was originally, and even HPE going forward. It's a much a more narrowly focused uh, group now. Yeah, that is interesting. I mean, it doesn't affect the HPC offerings quite so much because no. there you you do get a big focus on hardware. But for the broader enterprise play, especially in a world where you're competing as an Intel-based server vendor with other 
low-cost, hardware-focused, Intel-based server vendors. You've got you know, Lenovo out there. You've got right. Huawei out there. I would have thought that an emphasis on value-add software and professional services might be a way that HPE would seek to differentiate itself. But uh, it doesn't seem like the strategy is going that way. They're going to be duking it out in the hardware infrastructure. Yeah, and I think, you know, just looking at it from the 50,000-foot level, it probably makes sense for HPE. I mean, you, you contrast it with what IBM's been doing. They've been moving away from hardware and doing more software and services. And for, for them, that probably makes sense because that's sort of what they've done best and, and what sort of fits into their, their business model and their profit margins. Whereas HP, and now HPE, uh, their core competency has always been in systems. And, and sort of in the underlying hardware. And that's what they seem to do best. And I think that's what Whitman feels uh, they need to do. They need to you know, go with their strengths and form that business, even though, as you mentioned, with, with all these other companies out there, it's a very competitive cutthroat business. So HPE has to find its way in this space and, and figure out that it, it can't be undercut by uh, this, this business model that has very small margins in it now. Yeah, now this goes against an interesting backdrop because Dell also this week uh, has a similar announcement where it's selling off its services division. They're selling off uh, their services group for $3.1 billion to NTT Data, which is kind of a, a mega Japanese conglomerate. Right, I think they announced that a while ago, and they just closed the deal today, so they do get that that influx of money, which is which is good for them as well. But yeah, that sort of mirrors this same strategy that Hewlett Packard Enterprise is doing as well. They're they're selling off their services group again, maybe with the idea that what Dell has always done best was was infrastructure slash hardware, and that's that's their strength, and that's what they're going to go with, at least in this way. Now, I. Dell's a little more complex company at, at this point. They haven't sold off everything related to that area. But no, no, they still have quite a bit. And this is peanuts compared to the EMC deal. Right. But right. You know, it's still $3 billion. It's not nothing. But you do see sort of a similar strategy there. They're, they're sort of trying to build a hardware empire at Dell. And, and they've got a hardware empire at Hewlett Packard Enterprise. And they're going to stick with that going forward. So you do sort of see, do see this bifurcation of companies. And it's... It's not like every every big IT company was going to become a system and services company like IBM. It's just different histories uh, against each company. But you, now you're starting to see people sort of pick their strategy and, and you know take their you know just put their bets down. And we'll see how it does going forward. But again, it's you know the the system service system uh, hardware businesses is, is a tough business and it's changing rapidly. Uh, like like we've talked about over the past uh, few years, just because of the, the rise of these Chinese uh, system companies and uh, just more global competition. Organizational structure notwithstanding, the big news here is that prior to supercomputing, we're, we're getting the closure of the HPE SGI deal. And yep. SGI even snuck in the announcement of a couple final wins under the wire, the last sales of SGI. They had a, a couple of good government contracts to talk about as we head into SC. Yeah, actually, I think it was the day before they closed the deal officially, they, they announced a $27 million contract that uh, was a DOD contract, U.S. Department of Defense, uh, for two uh, 
uh, supercomputers that are going to go, I think, in the uh, Army Research Laboratory. There was two ICE XA systems, and yeah, that'll bring 20, in 20, twenty-seven million dollars. And that'll go to, to HPE now, presumably. And uh, as soon as that contract uh, starts to uh, push revenue to the company, so that's a, that was a nice omen for them, and uh, something to give them a little a little uh, wind at their backs as they become uh, the same company. Yeah, a little shot in the arm as they turn out the lights on uh, on one company and then uh, just move across the street into the next one. But uh, the big point about that is I think this is actually a, a relatively pain-free and quick transition that they got to the closure that quickly. I think that helps them that two weeks from now when we're in Salt Lake City, they can talk about this, uh, the deal itself in the past tense, and then quickly move to the future yep. of what are they going to do with the two companies together. All right. Speaking of future yep. things, also this week in HPC, you know, we're we're talking about supercomputing. I think machine learning, deep learning, everything having to do with AI is going to be a huge topic. Now, NVIDIA has been the one leading a lot of the announcements of that on the technology side, although IBM, Intel are certainly all part of the game. And it was probably only a matter of time before we started getting some hardware startups into this space. And you found an interesting one, Michael, in your article on top500.org with a UK-based startup called GraphCore. Yeah, GraphCore basically emerged themselves maybe a month ago. They'd been talking about their new uh, microprocessor that's, that's aimed at the machine learning space, but they really uh, really came out of full stealth this week when they announced they had $30 million worth of initial uh, funding for, in Series A uh, from a variety of of uh, venture capitalists. They, they're out of Bristol, UK, and they've been working on this for a couple years now, and it's something they're calling the Intelligent Processing Unit, IPU. And what it does, it, it basically does, a, it supports different kinds of machine learning, deep learning, the, these convolutional neural networks, but also recom, uh, recurrent neural networks as well. Different kinds of things that in certain cases the GPUs are not that great at or not as efficient at as, as maybe they could be. So they've been working on this technology to make sort of a more customized approach to machine learning. And they've basically thrown out everything that, that doesn't apply to it. And they're, they're thinking the final chip when it comes out next year will be about five to ten times more performant than a GPU at, at the sort of traditional deep learning type applications and maybe 10 times that or 50 to 100 times better than it when you look at the more esoteric machine learning um, types of workloads. So in that sense, they could actually expand the space a little bit, not just sort of uh, go up against uh, NVIDIA and and what they're doing, but actually uh, start up uh, sort of a new area or at least – sort of light the fire under a new a new kind of machine learning the way Nvidia did in the in the original sense. So it's very interesting uh uh news. They didn't say anything about what the hardware was about. They couldn't reveal very much about that, but uh an interesting claim and you know we're gonna look forward to it in two thousand seventeen to see what happens. You know, it's it's an interesting claim. This is sort of the argument that's always been put forward by uh, custom chip or accelerator companies is that the general purpose processor doesn't do all tasks equally well. And if a, I design a chip that's specific to one particular task, it'll do that task 
better than anything else. And we heard that argument with GPUs as accelerators with respect to the x86 microprocessor space. And now that machine learning is taking off, it's kind of interesting to hear the argument flip the other way around where you say, well, that GPU is designed for graphics. And if you right. really want to use it for machine learning, I can do better by by designing something that's exclusively for that. Right. And that that's basically a truism just in about any application space. The, the trick is, as it always is, is the market big enough to sustain a specialized processor? And in most cases, the answer is no. I mean, we look at our, our own traditional HPC, and we've seen one by one HPC-specific processors have sort of gone by the wayside for the most part. Um, they, they all, to one extent or another, rely on commodity-based uh, intellectual property. But some some application spaces sort of are able to support that, and an artificial intelligence might be one of those. It's it's a small space right now, but it's growing very rapidly, and we see other other chip makers and other companies also building similar types of things. Um, some of which, uh, you know, one of which was already bought up by Intel, but there's there's some other startups out there doing something similar. What GraphCore is doing, so there is sort of this impetus to get this uh, specialized processor. Now, we should also point out that to date, nobody actually has has done anything quite like this. We've talked about, I think in the past, you know, Google had a, a special processor that they've used internally for some of their machine learning applications, but mainly on the inference side. Uh, they haven't talked about the training part of these high-end uh, processors that, that NVIDIA is famous for, for doing the training that you need, you know, uh, lots of flops or, or the equivalent uh, that, that run, you know, 250, 300 watts, that sort of thing. Um, so this is sort of the first uh, appearance of that, although I think, like I said, we're going to see some others come down the pike. And the only question is, is the market going to sustain this? Um, and that's still an open question. Yeah, that's the really hard thing. I mean, one of the challenges of of custom processors is maintaining a pace of development that stays relevant yeah. uh, after multiple generations. And one thing that allowed GPUs to take off finally as accelerators is that it, the, driven by the gaming market, they were maintaining that pace of development that could uh, stay relevant compared to x86 processors, that generationally they were keeping the same pace. And here you're dealing with a custom processor that's not going to be out till the second half of 2017. So if it's a year from now, you're not really talking about comparing it to the GPUs that are currently in the market. You're talking about comparing it to the next ones that are yet to come out. And then in the roadmap, how fast can they keep delivering a new version? Now, with respect to the yep. size of the market, which you brought up, if machine learning really does take off and it's a big market, I think it's going to be dominated pre predominantly by a lot of the cloud providers who are going to drive very difficult deals in terms of the margins on these chips, which is also a, a challenge. So uh, it, it might be a very nice chip. I haven't seen the chip. I haven't talked to the no. company myself, but uh, it, it is difficult coming in with a, a custom accelerator, and uh, you know, it, but it but it does speak towards where the machine learning market is going. That it's starting to attract these kinds of startups. Yeah, absolutely, and it's it's fascinating to track because really, when you think about it, we haven't quite seen anything like this sort of development 
really for you know a, a few decades when it was going on, on HPC, people would actually build chips that were HPC specific uh, because they were they were higher performing than than what you could get on the commodity market. But uh, very interesting space to follow. Obviously, we've talked about it a lot, and companies like this are are just sort of fascinating. But again, it's it's sort of a wait and see. And you know, if they hit their deadline next year, uh, you know, we'll we'll just see what happens. All right, Michael, two more interesting stories as we warm up to SC16. We'll be back again next week for one more pre-conference podcast as some of the official conference news I think will start to leak out. People let their embargoes go so we can talk about some of their news. And then the week after that, we'll be in Salt Lake City, maybe squeeze in an extra episode or two if we can. But we'll be talking about that news for a long time through the end of the year. Yes, we will. All right. Thanks a lot, Michael. And thanks to you for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.